Hello, and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. We have something kind of special for you today and over the next three upcoming podcasts. We had a request from Luke Bonmeyer in Idaho to discuss business plans. Well, first off, we love the feedback and welcome suggestions as to what you all want to hear. Secondly, as I mold this around a little bit, I thought there's no way that we could do a business plan justice in simply one episode. So I've broken it up into four episodes, which are going to cover developing an idea, business planning, writing the business plan, and then implementing an idea. Naturally, we were inspired to talk about this because it was a request from a listener. But beyond that, this is great information for anyone who has an idea they think could be valuable and would be interested in developing it into a business. It could be as small as a little gadget that you created that would be nifty for other athletic trainers to use or identifying an entirely new space for athletic trainers to penetrate. You don't have to start your own business to benefit from these next four episodes. Even if you are a full-time employee, you may still have an idea that requires you to work through all these same steps. A new workplace structure in an industrial space, a prevention program for high school athletes, or writing a grant to secure AEDs. All of these may require the information that will be delivered over these next couple of episodes. With athletic training being such a young profession, there are any number of avenues and products we have yet to develop for ourselves. With that said, there is plentiful opportunity for you to create something for yourself that may require understanding how to develop an idea, create a plan, and implement that plan. In all areas of life, we can benefit from better understanding a topic, but especially in athletic training. I anticipate there will be many entrepreneurs in our field. Falling in line with what Advantage stands for as a company, I think being able to talk about the nuts and bolts of what it takes to start a business is really important. We exist to provide opportunity and innovate the profession of athletic training. So if we can inspire another athletic trainer to pursue their goals with those same missions in mind, then we are happy to impart the knowledge. Having an idea, seeing it materialize, and then watching it grow and develop into its own entity has honestly been one of the most joyous experiences of my life. Serving the need of a profession and working to advance us forward, being able to mold my own career is tremendously rewarding. So when I think about discussing business plans, that's the joy that fills me. I know that the word business plan is kind of dry and may even bring up like dark images of thesis writing or, or researching, but I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be, the way, be that way. That doesn't have to be the case. You can be as creative and as inventive as you want. So let's start developing the idea. Advantage has teamed up with SoCal Youth Rugby to provide athletic trainers at all matches from Orange County to San Luis Obispo. If you are in Orange County, Los Angeles County, San Bernardino, Santa Barbara, or San Luis Obispo areas and looking for contract work on the weekends, visit our website, theadvantage.com, for more info and to apply. What does it mean to develop an idea? 
Well, let's start by defining what idea is, which is any concept existing in the mind as a result of mental understanding, awareness, or activity. An idea can be anything that you want it to be, from rearranging your athletic training facility or implementing a new program at your work site or even championing an initiative like the NCAA athletic trainers did for the autonomy statement. Ideas can come in any number of ways, though I personally think that the most powerful way is through need. Some of the best ideas come as a result of a space or an area that is lacking. In the case of my own company, I saw a need for athletic trainers to be able to work on a short-term basis. The need was originally selfish as I was the one who was looking for work, but since then it has developed into something much larger than myself and actually a way for me to meet the demands of many other athletic trainers and our profession as a whole, especially in a state that kind of seems to need it the most. So identifying a service or product that is kind of self-serving is one of the best ways to get an idea out of your head and create something tangible out of it. The reason for this is because you'll actually be motivated to see it put into action as an actual need for yourself. So don't be deterred by the fact that this is either selfish or perhaps only serving you because, you know, just like the school teacher always used to say in class, ask the question out loud because if you have it, then someone else probably does too. So if you have an idea or you identify a need for yourself, it's probably a pretty high likelihood that there is at least a few other athletic trainers out there who could benefit from the development of your idea. To me, the idea phase is one of the most exciting parts about the development aspect. And, you know, you've kind of like suddenly come upon something that is kind of changing the game for you and your mind starts racing with all of the ways that it could be implemented. And, you know, honestly, let me pause right here because if you're in this stage or if you've been in this stage previously and you don't have that level of excitement or your mind isn't just racing with a ton of ideas, then I would venture to say that this probably isn't the, uh, you know, the idea that you want to try to bring to fruition because if at no other time during this process than during the idea and brainstorming phase, should you be wanting to like talk to everybody and, you know, spread this idea and just be super excited about it. So if you're kind of at this period and you're not feeling that way, then it's a pretty good indication that perhaps your passion isn't there or maybe isn't it isn't as great of an idea um, or maybe it's it's it just isn't probably something that you want to invest a lot of time or energy into. Right now, kind of at this point of where you're at with things, it's just sort of like the feverish brainstorm. You know, write down pretty much any and everything that you can think about 
in relation to this topic. Remove any filter or judgment that you may have about what would work or certain processes. Don't even get to that point yet. Literally just jot down everything related to the idea that you can think of. So here's some things to consider. For example, what resources already exist that could complement what you're developing? Are there similar models out there, even if they're in a different industry? Does the NATA have any published work that you could help to develop this idea? Are there any local or national business supports that you could tap into? Um, Do you have a friend, a family member, or a colleague that you think that you could run this by or kind of lean on for assistance? I mean, really, this should just be no filter, no judgment, writing down anything that you feel could complement or assist you in any way during this process, especially if it involves helping you to not reinvent the wheel. And, you know, kind of expanding on that idea of reinventing the wheel or, or really not reinventing the wheel, um, you know, what's really cool about the space that I think that we're in right now with athletic training is that there's been enough work done by our predecessors to kind of lay a solid foundation, but we aren't so far along that every market and idea has been developed or penetrated. So we benefit from having kind of like half the work done for us, so to speak, but then also still being able to permeate into new areas. I mean, honestly, like it's, it's so rare that you find yourself in this kind of position. It's usually really far in one direction where either there's no foundation laid, you know, think of like, Uh, creating a computer, for example, there's no foundation laid and you're working super duper hard just to develop that area or all the way in the other direction where there's so much development done that the competition is really strict and all of the markets and and the uh, channels have been penetrated. And so for you to kind of go into that space, you'd have to be really inventive or innovative and clever and, you know, what they say, disrupt an industry. So, you know, where we're at with athletic training, uh, is, is really kind of cool. And I think that that's part of why we're going to see a lot more entrepreneurship in what we're doing and and really maybe even why a topic like business plans has been asked to be discussed because you know maybe there's people out there who have these ideas but they're just not really sure where to start. Okay, so now that we've sort of identified that you have an idea, it may or may not, you know, answer the the problem of a need, um, we need to start conducting some research. So I've put together a few primary and kind of preliminary areas that you should look at when starting your research. One of the first areas to start looking at is competition. 
Now, my assumption would be that perhaps you're developing this idea because it doesn't exist, but you've got to be really careful here not to be naive or kind of have the wool pulled over your eyes because simply because you've never interacted with a product or an idea like this doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. It could be out there, maybe just not in your region or in the setting that you're working in. So you really kind of got to do some due diligence here to try to turn over all the rocks that you can to see if something like this already exists. So here's some ways that you can do this. One, simply Google your idea and try to think of any number of ways to describe what it is that you're attempting to come up with. You know, because Google's algorithms are written so uniquely, typing in different search terms will elicit different responses. So for example, with my company, if I put in contract athletic training, it may bring up something. If I put in athletic trainer for hire, it would bring in something else. If I typed in uh, contract employment for athletic trainers, it might bring up something else. So really try to brainstorm all the different ways that you could describe what it is that you're attempting to develop so that you're um, kind of beating Google's algorithms and trying to see what's really out there. Another way that you can, uh, you know, look for your competition is to search through the NATA site and see if they have highlighted a similar idea being done before. You know, many times on either the NATA or the BOC blog or in the NATA news magazine, there will be articles about kind of unique ideas being done in relation to athletic training. So this can also be a good resource for you to see, hey, is is this already being done? Is it already kind of on NATA's map? Um, honestly, even just flipping through and looking at regional news, sometimes they'll put that so-and-so started a company or that so-and-so company, um, you know, sponsored an event or, uh, or, you know, something along those lines. So, um, that's another way. And then Another kind of cool thing is just putting it up on social media and, you know, posting in different kind of athletic training groups or boards or blogs. See if anybody has heard of an idea like yours before. I would especially recommend this in more nationwide groups that um, you're not just tapping into your specific region or your district, because I would imagine that your idea probably doesn't exist in that area if you're coming up with it. So, you know, for myself, if you're like on the West Coast, try to tap into the Southwest or, um, you know, the Northeast or up in the mountain region and just try to see if anybody who's in these groups has heard of this idea before. And what's also really cool about this is you can kind of take it a step further and see how people respond and kind of what their initial opinion is about your idea. You, you could just say, hey, has anyone ever seen a 
professional device that cuts tape for you, you know, not scissors and not sharks, but you know, something else that's out there. And, you know, people may say, oh yeah, I've seen the, um, you know, the Boppelganger and, you know, the Boppelganger is really popular as a, as a tape cutter. And then other people might say, I don't really know that there's a need for a tape cutter outside of sharks and scissors. So this might be kind of a cool way for you to get some feedback, um, maybe some that you weren't looking for. But, um, you know, usually the people who are in these groups and boards and, and are active on these posts are more active in the profession. And so they're more likely to have interacted with like a newfangled product or are more likely to kind of be on the cutting edge of athletic training and are more open to new ideas and would be willing to kind of go out on a limb for something as opposed to maybe, um, you know, shopping it around with people who aren't on the social medias. Another little bit of kind of feedback that you get really early on when you use the social medias and, and honestly, even like groups of friends or colleagues or just shooting an email out to, you know, athletic trainers that you know personally and asking them about this is that you'll kind of get an idea for what the demand of your product or service is going to be. You know, when I started my company, I thought that it was very self-serving because I needed contract work. But then when I kind of started asking around, I realized, hey, a lot of my friends want contract work too, and they would be willing to work the same way that I am. So maybe this is something that's a little bit bigger than me. Um, and you know, secondarily, when I started asking people to send me you know, if, if an email comes along your, your desktop and you're not able to, to work an event, can you send it to me? And so I started getting a flood of emails um, from different kinds of clients that had the money for athletic trainers, were willing to pay for them, and were just looking for them and couldn't find them. So then that was the other side of it is there's not only athletic trainers that want to work, but there's also clients who want to hire and pay athletic trainers. So that's when I kind of just started to think like, hmm, I might be onto something here. So the next area that you should start researching and looking into is the industry. Now, don't make the assumption that simply because you will be serving or servicing athletic trainers that your industry is in athletic training. So for example, with my company, we are actually in the staffing and employment industry, but our clientele are athletic trainers and, and, and clients seeking athletic trainers. So, you know, let's say you have an idea for like a strap or a brace. Well, you're going to be in the bracing slash, you know, prosthetics industry with your target audience being athletic trainers. And identifying your industry is really important because this will be an, a, a more accurate predictor of what your potential success may be. You know, your, your target demographic may change, but understanding your industry and the trends in that are crucial. For example, let's say you wanted to develop a new type of white athletic tape and you assumed that your industry was athletic training. Well, 
when you do your research, it's going to show that the profession of athletic training is rapidly growing and has an above average growth potential over the next 10 years. However, your industry is actually tape, which when you do the research shows that sales over the past three years has decreased in white athletic tape and has increased in KT tape. This is just an example. I didn't actually do research. I'm just fabricating something for you. So this would actually be kind of a tragic misstep for you really early on simply because you misidentified which industry that you were in. Now, it's not to say that if you develop a new white athletic tape that you're not going to be successful, but understanding that you know the sales of white athletic tape are on the decline and KT tape is on the incline, maybe you should consider an elastic kind of tape as opposed to a stiff athletic white tape. The next most crucial step during your research is to look at and understand state requirements and or laws. Knowing if what you are attempting to do violates any statutes or if there are going to be major hindrances around what you want to develop is really good to know before you get started. You know, for example, let's say you wanted to do a mobile athletic training clinic business, but there are laws that require medical facilities to have a permanent address. Well, this is something that would probably create a legitimate complication for you and would probably be pretty difficult to overcome. Again, this is just an example, but to give you an idea of, you know, checking and understanding laws and requirements. So looking at state practice practice acts, also really good in developing an idea. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're not violating any stipulations here. We can't develop a business that goes against the law. Um, so these are things that just really early on, just check them off. Make sure that you're in good standing, that you're not going to be violating or stepping on you know, any kind of weird boundaries if you end up developing your idea. And that way you don't get too far into it and realize, oh man, you know, I, I wish I would have, you know, Googled this before. I wish I would have looked at, you know, state laws, federal laws, state practice acts, because I wouldn't have wasted so much energy or time developing this if I had known that on the front end. Once you have fairly confidently identified that what you're attempting to develop doesn't violate any laws or state practice acts, has a viable future based on the industry that it's in, and isn't already being done by you know de- looking at competition, then you can start to brainstorm names and designs. Now, I think that most people would imagine that this is one of the funnest areas in developing an idea. But fair warning, thinking of a name is, yes, one of the most fun, but also one of the most frustrating parts of developing an idea. You know, you want to embody all aspects of what your idea will be, but then also be succinct enough that it, you know, rolls off the tongue and is catchy. 
you know, I could probably do a whole podcast on just <laughs> the development of a, of a name for a company. Um, so I'll just kind of leave you with the advice of Google as, as much as you can in way of popular terms, colors, designs, um, you know, try to be creative. Don't be too literal. Um, that's always going to be the names that are taken most often, um, you know, something that kind of infers what business you're in, but doesn't exactly say it. Um, you know, Nike doesn't give any indication that it's actually an athletic apparel brand. Apple gives no indication that it's a computer store, but you know, Bob and Jim's plumbing service tells you right off the bat what it is. So you know, those are the names that are going to be taken um, and also going to be more difficult to trademark, which I'll get into in a minute. But um, so, yeah, when you're when you're thinking of a name, again, feverishly brainstorm and um, look up different things that might be associated with it. You know, if you abbreviated it, would it make a bad word? Or if you look it up in another language, is it offensive? I mean, I know it seems silly, but it's actually things that you should probably spend a little bit of due diligence looking at and making sure that, you know, you just, again, take care of it on the front end. Once you've come up with, uh, you know, a name or a couple of names that you like, I would then recommend checking the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to see if there is anything similarly along the same lines as what you're trying to trademark. For example, let's say that you really like the word Nick, but it's spelled, um, you know, N-Y-K-E. Well, and and let's say you're going to be doing like a t-shirt branding business. I would imagine that Nike is probably going to come after you and say it's too similar to, you know, what we are doing. So looking up names also... uh, even if it's not related to the current industry that you're going to be developing into, it could be in a totally separate industry, even just knowing that another name out there exists. For example, there are Ford motor cars uh, that you know we're probably all familiar with, but then there's also Ford modeling. And so, you know, I would imagine maybe that Ford uh, motor cars came first, but if Ford modeling looked it up and let's say, uh, you know, Ford motor cars was actually Ford lingerie, maybe Ford modeling wouldn't want to accidentally be confused for Ford lingerie. So it's not to say that if you come up with an idea and there's already a name in the database in a different industry that uh, you couldn't necessarily use that name, but you're definitely going to want to be aware of whatever product that is and and what they're doing with it, because should it ever get confused, that would just really be unfortunate. So, um, you know, U.S. uh, Patent and Trademark Office, look into that. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a story about what happened with me and why I think it's so important to look into that. Also, Googling it is a good start. I I feel like I'm a a Google sponsor after this podcast, but, um, you know, 
looking up in Google, again, using similar terminology, or even just the exact name that you're thinking of, seeing what's already out there, again, what it could be confused with. Our company, for example, AT Vantage or At Vantage, if someone accidentally put a D and actually spelled the word correctly, but not the AT like we spell it, you know, what else is going to pop up? If it's you know, Advantage Athletic Training, and it's a, a, you know, a sports performance place in Australia, well, then, you know, maybe that's not so bad. But, uh, you know, heaven forbid they, you know, do uh, Advantage Athletic Training, and it's something that we don't want to be any way confused or affiliated with. So um, again, just doing your due diligence to make sure that nothing else is out there like that. So if it passes these tests, then the next item to look at is the possibility of your web presence. I would recommend your search for web presences on the social medias to see what are the available handles and pages. So you're going to want to, I would recommend looking at all social medias, even if you don't think that you're going to utilize them, you don't want other people utilizing them. And again, getting it confused with your company. So, um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there, there's more out there, but those are the most popular ones see what handles are available, if at all possible and most highly recommended. Try to get the same handle or web address or page name on every single social media site. There's nothing worse than, you know, having, um, uh, you know, Advantage Athletic Training on Facebook and then Advantage AT on Twitter and then Instagram is AT Advantage. You know, it just is it makes it difficult for the consumer, um, and you're going to struggle on the marketing front with, you know, making sure that on all of your material, it has every single different handle on there. So start with the social medias and, and see what's available there. So if your name, uh, passes the, the trademark, um, option, it passes Google and you've been able to find it on those, on all the social medias, the very last step, and I will explain to you why, the very last step is to check for a domain name. Domain name is your web address, your website. I'm sure that most people are going to think, oh, let me check for my website first. Here's the problem. There are actually people who sit out there on the internet and wait for people to search a domain name. Well, when you're searching for a domain name, it either shows up as available or unavailable. So in the um, example of like godaddy.com, which is where I purchase all my domain names from, you search godaddy.com and you say, I want, you know, theadvantage.com. Okay, Alicia, that's available. It's going to be $12 a year, da, 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 whatever. Well, sometimes domain names are purchase. They're already owned. If that's the case, there's either already a company utilizing it, in which case it's not for sale, or it's just that somebody else owns it and they're not necessarily using it. So what people do is they go around and they pay attention to what people are searching for in these domain name creators. And so if I had searched, you know, let's just say advantageathletictraining.com, 
and, and I, let's say I searched it again and again and again, well, that's usually a pretty good indicator that I'm interested in it and that I will likely be buying it in the near future. What somebody will do is they'll go and buy that domain name, and then you're going to have to go and buy it at a steeper price from them. So whereas you could have got it from GoDaddy.com for $12 a year, now you're going to have to buy it from this person for $35 a year, let's just say. So that's a, a pretty simplified example of it. Um, it. It can actually get quite a bit uglier. So for that reason, I would make sure that all of your other boxes are checked off before you go to godaddy.com and search for a domain name. And if it's there and you want it, just pay the 12 bucks and lock it in because you just don't know what these people are looking for or what they're doing. And you don't want to get stuck having to buy it off someone else for a higher price. So you know, if you find it and it's there, purchase it and just lock it in right away. Part of the reason why I'm so knowledgeable about the process of developing the idea and doing the initial research and work is because I've done it myself. Um, and so I want to give you a little bit of a, of a story about um, how I originally started my company uh, and what happened and why I give these kind of imparting words because, um, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want what happened to me to happen to anybody else. So when I first started my company back in, uh, late 2011, early 2012, I had coined the term, the ATC agency. I thought that it had a nice ring to it. It sounded official. Uh, I thought that it embodied, um, a lot of, you know, what we were doing were essentially like an employment agency or a contracting agency and, and we were doing ATCs. So, um, I kind of ran with it and, you know, in my initial Google search, nothing showed up and I was totally good. So I, uh, got business cards made, I got flyers printed and, you know, I was nearing the, um, the end of my kind of my first year of business, which wasn't really much of a year of business, but nonetheless, it was uh, December of 2012. And I had received a letter in the mail that was from an attorney representing uh, the BOC. And it's what's called a cease and desist order. So what I came to understand was that the uh, term and the what it's actually called is a symbol. The symbol ATC is trademarked, and so I am not able, and nobody is able to use it in any kind of way outside of the permission that is given by the BOC. So to be a for-profit business using a trademarked symbol of another company didn't really go over too well. Um, so that cease and desist order came and I basically had 30 days to dissolve my company, which was really scary. I didn't understand that they weren't necessarily asking me to stop doing business. They just wanted me to stop doing business under that name. Um, and so I actually tapped into SBA.gov, which is the Small Business Association. And in Orange County, it has 
one of the most remarkable chapters throughout the country. Um, and so I sat down with a lawyer or technically in a retired lawyer, they're all mentors and it's free counseling and stuff. So I sat down with one of them and they helped me understand what was going through, you know, what was happening essentially that they're not telling me to stop doing business, just that I can't do business under this name any further. And so, um, that was kind of like an, oh crap moment for me. And so I, I basically, um, you know, switched my mind into, well, what's the next name that I could come up with. And so understanding how trademarks work, you're more likely to be granted a trademark if you have a name that doesn't exactly infer directly what it is that you're doing. Like the examples I gave before, you know, Bob and Jim's plumbing company probably won't be able to get trademarked, first of all, because Bob and Jim are names, but plumbing is a general term. So, uh, you know, none of that is really trademarkable. Whereas, you know, Nike, like I said, that name doesn't directly tell you what it is that they're doing. So, Theoretically, the further apart the name of the company is from what the product or the service that they're selling is, the higher the likelihood it is that you will be granted a trademark. So coming up with Advantage, ATVantage, however you want to pronounce it, um, when we initially came up with this, it was really important to us to get that trademark because being on the other side of it, we understood the value of being able to identify something solely as yours and for no one else to be able to come along and use it, especially in a way that may compete with what it is that you're doing. So you don't necessarily have to get a federal trademark in order to do this. Most companies within a state, if you um, want to start a new company, like if you wanted to start, you know, Advantage in California, then uh, it would technically already be a name that's been used. So you wouldn't be able to to, um, utilize that, but it doesn't protect you on a national basis. Someone in uh, Nevada in Vegas could go and start an advantage. And with that closer of, um, you know, regional proximity, it would be difficult for me to sustain, you know, what it is that I've done and separate myself from another person doing, you know, athletic training contract work. That's also called advantage. So just kind of the incentive to, to want to get that trademark. And then, you know, we started looking through all of the social media handles and the website. And, um, you know, we had kind of made that mistake really early on of, of Googling domain names too much. And that's when we realized that, you know, let's go ahead and get all of the social media handles knocked out first with our, you know, fingers crossed that that name will also be available as a, a website domain name. And so we are the advantage on all social media handles and our website. So it worked out well for us. And we kind of live and learned as we went along, but also this is why I impart this knowledge on you so that you can live through my own experiences. I found an article on Business News Daily that 
posed some great questions I thought really complemented what we spoke about here. So, you know, they, um, they kind of help you look at your idea and analyze it a bit more objectively. So I wanted to share those with you and kind of, um, leave you with this and allow you to reflect on, on what we've spoken about. So one, does it solve a problem? If there is a problem that affects you, your friends, family, coworkers, etc., then the chances are high that it affects people you don't know as well. Two, will people pay for it? Anyone can discredit a simple idea, but no one can discredit paying customers. Three, what's your price point? Once you have determined that you are solving a legitimate problem in a scalable way, you need to determine not only the value that it delivers to the world, but what people would pay for that value. Hint, hint, go back to the branding podcast. <laughs> Number four, is there a sizable niche market for it? Start by focusing on a niche market you know that can be served better. Make sure the market is large enough and that you can serve those customers better than the alternative. Large companies won't focus on niche markets, so there is room to compete and exceed customer expectations. This is an area that we excel in tremendously. Five, are you passionate enough about it? Since starting a business requires an inordinate amount of time, energy, and patience, ideally, the idea will be one that you are passionate about, as well as one that you have skills or experience in. Number six, have you tested your idea? If your target sample is saying your idea is fantastic and asking where they can get it, then you know you're onto something. But if they are less than enthusiastic, it's probably not as good of an idea as you thought. Number seven, are you open to advice? Success happens when you are willing to listen and consider others' advice. Lastly, number eight, how will you market your business? If you have a solid go-to-market strategy and a decent product, you'll probably be successful. But if you have a great product without any idea how to reach your potential customers, then it's going to be really tough to make it successful. Thinking through that as early as possible is really key. And that will then lead us into our next podcast, which is going to be business planning. But before we get to that, I want you to think about, do you have an idea that would help make your job easier or would benefit the athletic training community? Perhaps you just thought it wasn't viable or you didn't have the power to develop it into anything. But maybe after listening to this, you realize it meets all of these preliminary requirements. I would encourage you to explore this a bit more. Don't wait for someone else to fill a void that you are experiencing. If there is something great you feel you could add to the world, then do it. Thank you for listening. If you learned something on today's podcast, please share it with a colleague. We could all benefit from better understanding how to develop an idea especially if it could benefit the athletic training community and profession. On our next podcast, we will be discussing business planning, which dives more deeply into how to create a business out of your idea. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat at The Advantage. 
If you have questions regarding what we have spoken about here, use the hashtag Q&AT or show us how you're developing an idea, perhaps pictures of brainstorm sessions with the hashtag That's Business. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout the podcast.